so we have been going through over the last several weeks together a series called Sola. We've been looking at different words within scripture. Uh, Sola comes out of a time called the Protestant Reformation back in the 1600s, and it was to counter what the Catholic Church was saying at the time. And as we began, we said, we're not bashing the Catholic Church. We're not saying we're Reformed Baptists. What we're saying today is that there are words that God has given us when it comes to salvation. And we said it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. And so that's where we see this whole series uh, coming together. And we said this, uh, we, we said by Titus 2.1, it says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. What, what message with sound doctrine? Right teaching is those words that we've been looking at. We've already looked at the word grace. We've already looked at the word faith. And as we review uh, the last time we were together, we said faith is the result of God's work in our lives. God's grace gives us the faith to believe in him. And we said that faith is not a result of what we can do. Because there's some things we have faith in, but when it comes to the work of God in your life and in my life, it comes through grace and by faith alone. And so that's what we talked about. Today, we're gonna take a look at solus Christus. We're gonna be looking at Christ alone. And I wanna begin with the question when it comes to solus Christus is this, why is it Jesus alone for salvation? That's a great question, isn't it? Because, you know, um, we all have, have maybe heard or maybe we even thought at times like there is a certain way, if I'm just good enough or all paths lead to God or, you know, how could a loving God send people to hell and things like that. But why is it that we're saying here at 1010 that it is Christ alone for salvation? It's because of this, is that Christianity is not a Jesus plus religion. Remember we said when we went through faith alone, it was believing then doing with salvation, not what you could do. And then you believe it, that, that got you to heaven. Are you with me there? So that's what we said, that it is not a Jesus plus religion. And if you think about it, Christ alone is at the core, is at the center of the solas. Not because it's in the middle of the five statements, but because it's at the center of it. It's by God's grace that Jesus was brought to this earth. It's by God's grace to give us the faith to believe in him. Scripture says, and that we have the word of God, and it's by hearing the word of God that we believe. And through scripture alone, and it's all Jesus came to show the glory of the Father. And in John 17, as he prayed, he said, Father, I want you to glorify me so that you can be glorified, that you and I are one. And so Jesus is at the center of the solas. So what I want to do this afternoon is just talk about two things when it comes to the person of Christ alone. And then I want to tie it into what we look at today when it comes to Jesus. And so the first things that I want to take a look at is when we talk about Christ alone, we want to look at Jesus's identity and his mission. That's what's important. Jesus's identity and his mission. Jesus Christ, his identity did three things. Jesus showed who God was. He shared what God required of humans and he addressed the problem of sin. That is his identity. That is who he is. And we're gonna, we're gonna um, unpack that just a, in just a little bit. But with his identity, again, let me repeat it. He shows who God is. He shares what God requires of humankind and he addresses the problem of sin. That is Jesus's identity. In Jesus's mission, what he did on this earth was he proclaimed the kingdom of God. 
That's what he did. Or the kingdom of heaven. But he also proclaimed repentance. He would say, repent, the kingdom is near. And so we also see that he revealed how God provided a solution. Oh, by the way, Jesus was the solution. And so that's important for us. Why? Why is it so important to understand Jesus's identity and his mission? It's because God the Father is a covenant God. What do I mean by that? Simply this, is that a covenant is an agreement. It's a, pro- it's a, it's a promise uh, made between two parties. And if you ever look throughout scripture, you will never be disappointed because God always kept his end of the bargain all the time. His people were faithless. He was faithful. We are faithless. He is faithful. We, we drop the ball at times. We get into things that break the heart of God, but he is always faithful. That is what we mean when it comes to Jesus, his identity and his mission is because his father was a covenant God. And his covenant said, listen, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a savior to you. Who's he talking about? God chose a nation called the nation of Israel. Back in Genesis, he tells a man by the name of Abraham, he said, you are going to be the father of a great nation. And at that time he was going, my wife's almost 90 and she's not even pregnant. And yet God was faithful and came through on his covenant promise. Are you with me? This is what we can understand. But here's what God did through, through the process of setting Jesus up on the scene. Is that once he set up a nation, God set up a structure. And it's important because when you have an organism, you need to have organization, don't you? You do. But here's what God did with the nation of Israel. God had prophets in place. Prophets were ones who spoke on behalf of God. He had priests who were in place that taught the instructions of God. And he had kings who made sure the people followed God. Now, if you look through the Old Testament, you'll see that there were kings for the nation of Israel that didn't follow God. And what happened to the nation? They would always get in trouble. When the people would get in trouble, then they called to God. And because God's a covenant and faithful God, he would show up and, and, and save them. But he allowed them to go through their heartache because that was his love for them. Even in God's anger, there was grace. Even in his wrath, there was mercy. And because why? He was a covenant God. But then Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus is the greater prophet, priest, and king. Jesus was not only the greater prophet, priest, and king, but Jesus was 100% human and 100% divine. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute, where are we going with this? Well, he's 200% goodness in all that he is. In his humanity, Jesus was baptized. Jesus even wept when one of his dear friends died. But in his divinity, Jesus performed miracles, even raising his best friend who died from the dead. Why? All for the glory of God not for himself. And we're gonna be touching on the glory of God in several weeks. But Jesus is the person that fulfills God's own righteousness as a man. What do I mean by that? Jesus himself had right standing with God. As if you are not a follower of Christ today, you are not in right standing with God. But by faith and believing in the work that Christ did on the cross and him being raised from the dead that brings new life, new eternal life to you, you have right standing with God, the Father, through Jesus. Jesus steps in and says, I will cover this. The debt has been paid. I remember when I did a ride along with the Norristown Police Department. And when I got in there, they said, hey, you're gonna need to wear one of these. And it was a vest. And I thought, this is pretty cool and pretty scary at the same time. And so when I put that vest on and I rode around with that officer, I was 
covered by the vest, but I was also covered by the officer. That's what Jesus did for you and I. He stood on our behalf. He took on the wrath of God. He took on our sin and our shame. So that's what he does. Jesus fulfills God's own righteousness as a man. Not only that, Jesus reconciles God himself with humanity. He brings it all together and he establishes God's saving rule and reign in this world and the one to come. And as a follower of Christ, we are co-heirs. Isn't that amazing? We, have been ado- we are adopted sons and daughters of the king. And so we have rights as a kingdom citizen. Isn't that exciting? Good, I'm glad some of you are, because I am. But listen, here's the thing. It's all because of Christ alone that is God, that is the son incarnate. In other words, the Latin word uh, for that incarnate comes from is the word caro, which means in the flesh, God in skin. That's who Jesus was on this earth. Stephen Willem in his book, Christ Alone, says this, why is Christ unique, exclusive, and all-sufficient Savior? Scripture answers, because he is the only one who can meet our need, accomplish all of God's sovereign purposes, and save us from our sin. Christ and his work are necessary to redeem us, and apart from him, there is no salvation. That's why Christ alone is not a Jesus plus religion. Are you with me? And this is why it's important, because Jesus is the only one who was qualified to die for the sin of humanity. You may think, wow, Jeff, I thought, nope, not even you, not even me, was qualified. And why? Because Jesus was the chosen and anointed one of God. That is powerful words for us today to understand that for salvation, it is Christ alone. And so I wanna just take the next few moments with you to talk about really, would the real Jesus please stand up? Would the real Jesus please stand up? Think about this for a second. If you were to ask someone who they thought Jesus was, you may get he's the son of God, he performed miracles, he was here thousands of years ago, or he was a good guy, he was a great teacher, he was a good moral person. You may get all kinds of different answers. That, that would just uh, be the same as someone asking you, where's the best cheesesteak to be found? Delisandro's, by the way. Okay, some of you may go, no, it's not, it's Tony Luke's. No, it's not, it's Gino's, it's Pat's. It's, you can go on and on but it really, it is Delisandro. So we're gonna move on. But we can, we, we will get answers. But what does scripture say who Jesus is? And would the real Jesus stand up? Because we can fall into the trap of counterfeit Christ. We can, we can also become people who try to have a Messiah complex, who try to say, I can change people. I can fix people. I can save people. All Jesus told us to do was love people and he'll change them. He'll save them. That's what he calls of us. I remember, I remember when, when I was uh, first getting into youth ministry as a volunteer and there was mistaken identity. And what had happened was I remember going with the youth pastor. We were going to visit some students and he said, Jeff, I got to ask you a serious question. And I said, what is it? And he goes, have you ever been um, arrested for any crime? I said, why would you ask me that? He said, well, you turned in your you know, police background checks and all that, and there's some things that came back. I said, well, what came back? They're like, have you committed any crime? 
I said, well, when I was a kid, I, I did shoplift, okay? I'll just be honest, did some shoplifting as a kid. He's like, no, these are pretty, you might want to go see the HR person at the church. So I said, okay, but I'm telling you right now, I didn't commit any crime. Come to find out there was another Jeff Hill in the same town that Tina and I lived in, and this guy had a long rap sheet. And so the human resources person said, I don't know how we got this mixed up, and she profusely apologized. That's what we can do with Christ, can't we? We can give our definition of who he is rather than what scripture says he is. And you know what happens there? It becomes a free-for-all. Like, oh, is that who you think it is? That's great. Well, if you think that, then you can think that. That's great. And then it becomes confusing. And what it does, it brings about false hope and it brings about a false gospel. And that's what we have to understand, that you and I cannot define Jesus on our terms. Does that make sense? That's important for us to understand. So let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In John chapter 1, if, you, if you're using the Bible that's on the seats, we're looking at page 981 today. Page 981. And what we're going to do here is we're going to look at two verses here in John chapter 1. And then after we talk about would the real Jesus stand up, we're going to take time with communion today as a church. And so John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 and verse 14. But let's begin by looking at John chapter 1, verse 1. The writer John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The writer John wrote this gospel to prove without a doubt that Jesus is the Son of God and that all who believe in him will have eternal life. That was the whole purpose of his gospel. And he begins his gospel here in John 1.1 by identifying Jesus even before his birth, even before his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection, and even before creation. That term before creation is known as eternity past. So eternity past, Jesus was one who was coexistent with God. Isn't that something? So he was there before the very beginning. And John chapter 1, verse 1, has strong ties to Genesis 1, verse 1. Because in Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we see that Genesis tells of God's first creation, but John tells of God's new creation found in Christ alone. But he existed with God before the beginning. And before anything existed, the word existed. The word existed. The primary use of this word, it's in Greek, it's lagos. And this word here, specifically in verse one, is the ultimate divine revelation of God through Jesus. So this is who Jesus is, going back to his identity. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The word, Jesus Christ, eternally existed as God the Son. He is, dis excuse me, he is distinct from God and at the same time equal with the Father within the Godhead. So the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is distinct with his Father, but yet 
equal with the Father. That's some pretty amazing stuff. Why is it amazing? Because Jesus was not created. He was not invented as a little God. He was and is God. Okay, I'm glad I got amen out of there because that's gospel truth. And again, this was the intention of John's gospel all along. And so when we look at this about who Jesus is in verse one, we can see that the real Jesus was with God at the beginning. The real Jesus was with God at the beginning. Jesus, the uncreated one who created all things at the beginning, the one who was 100% divine, 100% human, is the real Jesus who brought about salvation to humanity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But we see that it comes from Jesus who was with the Father at the beginning of it all. So for you and I, really is the word the one you choose to believe. Is the word the one you choose to believe? Are you okay with your own opinions, your own research that comes to your own conclusions rather than going to the word of God and seeing that Lagos was at the beginning? Who are you gonna choose to believe when it comes to the real Jesus? So let's look, let's go down to verse 14. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John's statement here in verse 14 is the most succinct statement about the incarnation. In other words, it's the most specific statement when it comes to God in the flesh. In the Old Testament, God used to dwell in what was called a tabernacle or tent of meeting. In the Old Testament, God dwelled in a temple. But when Jesus came to this world, he dwelled among people. He was given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now followers of Christ, he lives in us. And you may be thinking, that's the weirdest thing. Well, the third part of the Godhead or the Trinity is his spirit who lives in us, who gave us new life. God is not confined to a tent of meeting. He's not confined to a tabernacle. You may go, well, he's confined in me, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Not brick and mortar, not a tent, but the living Christ who is in us. Isn't that great news? That is great news. Listen, John in 1 John 5, 20 says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, and he is the true God and eternal life. Not only is he divine, but he brought us life, but he came on this earth to show people who God was. That's awesome. I'm just thinking, man, if I lived thousands of years ago, I don't know how I would have responded because even in Isaiah 53, it says he, he had such a look about him that people didn't even want to even get, what is it, gaze? That's the word. I don't know, glare. Anyway, but people wouldn't even want to look at him. But this is, 
the Son of God, full of glory, full of glory. This is why salvation is only found in Christ alone. What Jesus did was he expressed God's character like a child resembles a parent. I remember uh, my mom, when I would go out, even when I would go out, she goes, remember who you're representing? Like, okay, mom, okay. And she would always, you know, go back to God and the family. And then even as our kids were growing up, we could teach them everything at home. But we said, when you walk out the door, you represent the family. They didn't represent the family all the time. Let's just be honest. But that's the same thing here. Jesus did it perfectly. You want to know who God is? Just walk with me. You want to know, you want to know about all about my father? Follow me. That's what he did. And he's telling us that we can do that too. Jesus himself was that expression. Isn't that awesome? It's fantastic because when John writes about glory here, he's talking about a high renown or honor that is given to someone. And even glory in the biblical context is the weight of this situation, the weight. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, have you ever been around maybe, uh, maybe a famous sports figure or a celebrity or whatever? And if you have, or if you haven't, just... If you have, it's one of those things like, oh, look who it is. Well, that's what I do. And so, but, but they're still human. <laughs> they're still human. But for us, we can understand that Jesus was glory. He was glory. And, and listen, in the Old Testament, Moses, if you remember the gentleman by the name of Moses, he says to God when he was on Mount Sinai, he says, show me your glory. Now, for him to be bold enough to say that, listen, if you saw the glory of God, you would die. That's why Jesus resided in a tent and he resided in a temple. Not Jesus, but, the, but God, excuse me. Well, Jesus, oh, okay, you're with me. But, but in the New Testament, Jesus was on another mountain with three of his disciples. And it's a story called the Transfiguration. And it says when he was with his disciples, he began to glow in such a way, like it was almost like, um, if you've ever seen something so hot, it was like white. And, and that's at the transfiguration, but God's glory was shown without penalty to these guys. That's the glory of God. And we're gonna talk about that in several weeks when we talk about for the glory of God alone. Jesus's glory goes hand in hand to his relationship to the Father and to his obedience to the Father. Are you with me? That's important for us to stand because when it talks about full of grace and truth, Jesus expressed God's grace. In other words, he expressed his faithful love. If you ever heard this, if Jesus talked in what's called parables in that day and time, it was a story that had characters that pointed people to God to get them to make a decision about God. Well, Jesus talked in parables about people that even the Jewish people hated, like the Good Samaritan the woman at the well, you know, those things Jesus taught. And that showed that God's love, his faithful love for people and his truth, full of grace, full of truth. In other words, Jesus was full of integrity. Jesus was full of integrity. Could you imagine other parents talking to Mary and Joseph? Man, I wish my kid was like your Jesus. <laughs> but if they knew, they may have turned back and said, but you don't know what's gonna happen to my son. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. God in, the, God in the flesh was the greatest expression of grace for you and I. And not only that, 
You can't know the grace and truth of God without it being revealed to you by Jesus. That's how it works. Remember, sin doesn't make you bad. It makes you what? Dead, spiritually dead. But it was only Jesus that can bring us back to spiritual life. So if Jesus was with God at the beginning, we can see that the real Jesus is the image and voice of God. The real Jesus is the image and voice of God. Jesus, our instructor, our model, and our ransom made it possible to live a life fully devoted to him. He's made it possible and he represents his father and he invites you and I to represent him as kingdom citizens. Doesn't mean we'll get it right every time. Nope. Doesn't mean we'll fall flat on our faces. Yep. Doesn't mean we may have to go and ask for forgiveness. Yes. But he's saying, watch me, follow me and do as I do. We have his word that will give us everything we need to live this life for him. And so is the word, is the real Jesus, the one you choose to live for? The word that was at the beginning, the word that was made flesh, are you gonna choose to believe in him? Are you gonna choose to live for him with your life? And so those are challenging things because the real Jesus is the one that we see here in scripture, the one who desires relationship with you and I, he calls us to himself for relationship. And not everybody's gonna say yes because everybody you know, may have their own opinion. But what does God's word say to us about who he is? And so I wanna, I wanna give us a couple of things that we can take with us when it comes to the idea of the real Jesus in our lives, Christ alone. And the first is that you have to decide who you're gonna follow. You have to decide who you're going to follow. Many of us um, are, have social media accounts. There's people we can follow. There's groups that we can be in. There's tweets that we can send out. There's all kinds of things when it comes to social media. You can unfollow, you can unfriend, you can hide, you can block, all this kind of stuff. You can poke, the weirdest thing they ever came up with. And I remember, I remember being a youth pastor years after the whole mistaken identity incident. And uh, one of the students said, hey, Jeff, why don't, why don't you friend me on Facebook? And I tried to be very careful when it came to that. And, and so I was like, well, let me look into it. Well, as I looked into it, her profile pic had her shooting the middle finger up. So I was like, yeah, probably not. I'm not gonna follow. I'm gonna pray that you would follow the Lord. Anyway, we all have our stuff. But the point is, if it's Christ alone, you and I need to make the decision to follow him. Joshua said to the people of Israel in Joshua 24, 15, he said, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. I mean, we just do a message on that. He's saying, if it's evil to follow God, then figure out what you're gonna do. He goes on to say, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, here's the thing. He talked about his home, but in your life, you have to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. This is who I'm going to follow. And it may begin with you to say, as for me, I don't care what anybody else is doing. 
because I don't have to answer for anybody else. Oh, by the way, you don't have to answer for anybody else either. You have to answer for you. And so do you want to live like Joshua? I'm not asking you to be Joshua, but will you have the heart motive that says, as for me, I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna follow him. And then we go to, and my house, and my job, and my relationships, and my struggles, and my difficulties, and my confusion, and my questioning. I will serve the Lord. But you have to decide who you're gonna follow. Because think about this, let's be honest, life's gonna come at us hard and fast, isn't it? Because remember, I've said this before, and I'll tell you again, you never know what you're gonna wake up to, and you never know what phone call you're gonna get. But what we can know is that you can resolve in your heart today who is going to have the heart of your affection. And today, if you decide that you're going to follow Christ, you can de declare as for me, as for my house, Jesus is king. Are you with me? That's important. You have to decide who you're gonna follow. The second is that you decide who you're gonna listen to. You decide who you're gonna listen to. I worked in, I told you about youth ministry and we would have groups of kids. They would follow where I'm going and then, but they wouldn't pay attention to what I had to say a lot of times. I don't know if it was me or the kids. I think it was the kids, but here's the thing. There would be so many times like we would do retreats and stuff like that. And I, I would give them a schedule. Here's what we're doing. Wait, every time. What are we doing next? I'm like, are you listening to what I have to say? No, I just wasn't sure. What's next? I said, it's right in front of you. Are you listening? What? Oh, the joys of leadership. So, um, <laughs> but it's important for us that if we're gonna follow, we need to listen. And Jesus talked about listening in the sense of a shepherd and sheep. And if you remember, we, we shared uh, a while ago that shepherds, there would be probably four to five shepherds that had all their flocks in one pen, but the sheep that were they, that specific shepherds, they would listen. So if there was four or five of us that had sheep, when we called ours, they didn't go to someone else. They came to us. We have to know who we're going to listen to. We have to make that decision. Jesus himself in John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So if you're gonna follow the shepherd, if you're gonna follow the king, then you're gonna know. As a child of God, you will always hear the voice of God. And if you go, no, I'm not hearing him. Well, maybe you don't like what he has to say. Or maybe you're trying to come up with a different answer for yourself. But God will always speak to his children. He will speak truth to you. He will speak discipline to you. He will speak encouragement to you. He will speak his promises to you. But as a child of God, you will always hear the voice of God. But you and I have to decide who we're gonna listen to. Because at the end of the day, you and I get messages upon messages upon messages that are biting for our time. Just this morning, I was applying for a new quote for insurance. Call me within 10 minutes. Now guess, guess what's on some of my social media feeds? Insurance, get a quote, are you with me? It's biting for our attention. We have one message here, Jesus saves. In a world that says, do it on your own, you look out for you, you need to look a certain way. You need to dress a certain way. You have to have a certain status. That's, we're hearing it. It comes at us. But yet, whose voice are you going to listen to? 
And if you decide to listen to the voice of Christ, then today you can declare, speak, Lord, I am listening. Because he'll speak. But you have to have a willing heart and an open ear to hear what he has to say. So when we speak of the real Jesus, the question I want to leave you with is this, is that who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Because I've told you who Jesus is in scripture. He's divine and he's human. He died for the sin of the world. He was creator of this world. He's our shepherd. He's our guide, our comforter. He's the peacemaker. He made the way. But who is Jesus to you? Is he one that you're just looking for when times are good? Are you looking for him to be your rescue? Are you looking for him to be Lord and Savior of your life? See, the real Jesus who stood up was the one who stood up and went to the cross. If you remember, the cross there in the Roman world was for crucifixion for criminals. Jesus wasn't a criminal. It says that he was the one who was without sin. You and I were the criminals before we came to him. But what he did was when he died for humanity, he made us right with God the Father. Praise God for that. And that comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. I'm gonna ask Keith and David to come back up as we prepare for communion. And as we prepare, I wanted to leave you with a passage of scripture found in Acts chapter four, verse 12. And in Acts chapter four, we see that John has healed a man who was crippled. He's brought before the Sanhedrin, which is like the Supreme Court of the Jewish world in that day and time. And he, they're wondering how this man got healed. And here's what John says, and he brings the gospel in, I love it. Here's what he says. He says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, you cannot find salvation in a church building. You can't find it in any organization. You can't find it in any social causes. You can't find it, you know, in, in anything but Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can bring that for you. And so as we take this time for communion, I wanted just to explain a few things. The first is this, is that communion is a time for followers of Christ to commune with God.